Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you've got to start with purpose, and, and that is the base and foundation for all of these discussions. As a leader, you have to understand yourself. And then from there, my my take is that uh, you've really got to look at the modern workforce a little differently than people did 20 or 30 years ago. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, Today, I have the pleasure of Tom Finn on the show. Uh, Welcome to you, Tom. Uh, Julian, thanks so much for having me. Great to be with you. It's good to have you too. Um, I know we're we're a big uh, time difference. I'm in the afternoon, you're in the morning, uh, but that's uh, still not stopped us connecting. Uh, So you're the co-founder and CEO of LegUp, and LegUp is a professional coaching and preventative mental health platform. Um, Integrates world-class coaches and therapists, uh, proprietary science-backed assessments, and lots of ROI dashboards into one easy use platform. And before forming LegUp, you were a VP and general manager of Ain't There and regional manager director of Anthem Blue Cross. So we're going to have an exciting conversation today, and we're going to be looking to explore the sort of modern way in leading teams, uh, touching on lit and servant leadership, um, psychological safety, self care, and culture. So there's enough to get us our teeth into that. So. Uh, before we get going into that conversation, um, Tom, the first question I'd like to ask you is, what do you love about uh, what you do? Well, there's a lot of things I love about what I do. Uh, I, I moved from big corporations to being an entrepreneur, and I think that was really part of my own value system. I, I wanted to um, move into something that was a lot more creative, and so I took the opportunity to do that. But really, the, the reason behind why I started Leg Up was very personal. Um, I had some challenges when I was younger in terms of feeling anxious in the workplace or not feeling supported, not feeling like I had the skills and the tool sets um, to really be the most effective leader I could be. And I felt like that was just a little off force that we should all have tools and resources. So for me uh, personally, the thing I love most is that I'm able to take a problem that I couldn't solve eight years ago and now deliver that to employees all over the world and solve their problem. Um, and the feedback we hear uh, when people go through our programming is that they, uh, a lot of people, it changes their life, uh, changes their vision on on their own career, and and certainly supports them and their family as well. That's great, isn't it? You've taken a, a problem that you had and then has now created a, a solution by creating a, a company whilst becoming an entrepreneur, which is something that you perhaps want to do anyway. So uh, that's great, actually. It's lovely to people to hear they solved the problem as opposed to moaning about it, complaining about it. You, you did something about it. Well, I think so. And and the, the key is really understanding your own purpose and understanding what you need first to be satisfied. And that, that could be a meaningful job. Um, it could be just taking some self-reflection, but I think the first thing you have to do in, in any portion of your career, it doesn't matter if you're early, mid or late career is reset and say, what, what is my purpose? Um, what is my attitude about my career? What am I looking for? And, uh, you know, I took that pause for myself personally 
years ago and then set a plan out to start executing. Yeah, and purpose is is really important. Purpose, knowing your purpose, having clarity of purpose, um, it, whatever stage it is vital. And just bringing that to the context of, of leadership and uh, I suppose lead, leading in modern term, times or or what I want to say almost post-pandemic now, we're in a, a sort of a, I feel like we're in a post-pandemic sort of period. Um, how would you bring that purpose into the context of leadership and how should, how should we lead in a modern way? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you've got to start with purpose, and, and that is the base and foundation for all of these discussions. As a leader, you have to understand yourself. And then from there, my my take is that uh, you've really got to look at the modern workforce a little differently than people did 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, you know, the term servant leadership is one that pops up for a lot of folks. And really, it just means that you are interested in continually learning, um, you are trying to understand your workforce versus being all knowing uh, and telling them all the smart things you know. You're asking a lot more questions. And if you're a visual learner, it's really taking the org chart and turning it upside down, right? So now, uh, while you used to be at the top, now you're at the bottom and you work for the people that report to you. Your job as a servant leader is, quite frankly, to support them, whether it's supporting them in their professional career to make moves within a big corporation, you might lose people from your team, right? In a servant leadership model, and that's okay. You might lose some of your best people, but if they're growing and they're accelerating their career, it's always gonna come back to you in a positive way. And so you have to play the long game and, and servant leadership um, is a great place to start. Now, there's really five things uh, that, constitute servant leadership to me. Um, so I'll give them here. I mean, number one is listening and understanding. Number two is having some empathy. Um, understand healing and, and how people holistically need to heal, whether that's physically or emotionally. It could be stress-based. It could be burnout, right? But you've got to understand that people need time and you can't always be pressing the gas down. You've got to let, you got to let people breathe every now and again. Um, and that is a great leadership attribute. Uh, and then, of course, self-awareness. You've really got to be self-aware. Um, you can't be uh, focused on yourself. You've got to be focused on others. And then last but not least, um, persuasion. You know, really, servant leadership is about guiding other people versus directing them or pointing the finger or telling them what to do. Okay, so, so taking servant leadership you, you you believe that's the way we should be leading right now and that's the best way the most effective the most sort of powerful way why does in your opinion servant leadership create and does it create high performing organizations what is it about servant leadership um that does that yeah so what it does is it empowers the employee to come up with solutions on their own so instead of you as the leader having to have all the bright ideas, what you've just done is turned your team into an idea factory. And they're now going to come to you and say, I've got these ideas. And you can help mold them and shape them. You can help them become better. You can eliminate a few. You can take a pencil and cross out a few of them. And there will be some of those that you need to cross out. But it gives you that um, modern engine of innovation. And that is what really drives ROI for a company this modern engine of innovation coming from your team instead of just from one brain. Okay. And so if we take 
you know, servant leadership, we just take those two words. We, we understand what, you know, what a servant is and how we serve people. Uh, you know, we're, we're in service to our clients. That's what I am to my clients. And then leadership is, is I suppose, for me, it's like inspiring or making decisions or taking the lead, I guess. How do those things come together? Because in some ways, they don't sort of suit, do they? Because people want to be led, don't they? People do want leadership. Uh, people don't want to be just left their own devices. So how do we, I suppose, reconcile that sense of the service side of things and the servant sort of side of leadership with where people want to be led as well? Not not told what to do, but led. I'm talking about leadership. Yeah. N- nowhere in this conversation did I say uh, that you you don't need to have a strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Or you don't need to lead from the front or you don't need to set the tone for your team or the organization. And so, so backing into that, we're sort of dividing this up into two words, servant and leadership. And let's, let's start with leadership, as you mentioned. So leader, you still need to set the annual plan. You still need to set the vision. You still need to embody the core values of your organization. And you need to understand your own purpose to do that. So all of that is a basic level of, of leadership. You've got to do your annual reviews. You've got to coach and mentor people. You've got to lead, as you said, Julian, from the front. Um, and really understand where the company's going, communicate that effectively with your team. And all of that um, is a part of servant leadership. That's the leadership part. Where things pivot a little bit is in your day-to-day activities. So we set those plans, we set that structure, we set the leadership vision, uh, we get everybody excited and on board about where we're headed. And then when it comes to the day-to-day, this is when you pivot. And you say, this is where we're going, and, and I need your help to get us there. Um, I need your help to understand what you can do in marketing, what you can do in product, what you can do in sales. And let's bring all of those plans to the forefront to meet the goal that we've all agreed to together. And so it's just a different way of behaving within the structure uh, of, a, of a year or a month um, as you go through work. So I guess it's when we're interacting with the individuals in the organization and it's how we outwork, it's how we as you said, you said in terms of behavior, and it's almost aligned to like an empathetic type leadership, isn't it? That sort of approach where you're uh, thinking of others for, before yourself and wanting to, I suppose, empower them, isn't it? And as you say, by empowering them, you increase your capacity. Um, so just looking back in the last two years where we've, you know, we've there's been a lot of talk about empathetic leadership or even servant leadership is starting to come more to the forefront. Um what other lessons have we learned in how to lead organizations for high performance and to really grow as, as businesses? Well, I think the number one lesson is that it works, right? And if you look around the world, um, organizations have had to adapt. Um, there is a, a term out there that I'm sure many of your listeners will understand, um, the great resignation or the turnover tsunami. Let me tell you why that's happening. It's not just that we woke up one day and everybody decided to leave their companies. It's because structurally you have behavioral issues in your leadership team mm-hmm. and people want to leave because what they say is, I'm not accepting of this anymore. This behavior from my leader that tells me what to do gets upset when I go to the doctor. Um, you know, I had to drop the kids off at school and I was 20 minutes late and my boss is, you know, giving me a hard time. Um, you know, all of those things that are life moments and moving from work in the office to work from home, mm-hmm. all of those moments, they changed our lives, all of us. And there are a lot of people that adapted. And there are many leaders that still exist in the world that did not uh, and have not pivoted. And I think that's 
the challenge that we see in today's workforce is if you didn't pay attention to this change, you probably have higher turnover than perhaps you should have. Um, and that is a that is a leadership shadow issue um, that can be solved if you mm-hmm. just start to think a little bit differently. And I guess is is um, servant leadership is it perceived as a bit you're a bit of a pushover? You know, you just talked about going to the doctors and just taking time off and oh, I'd be all right. This this guy he's happy to sort of let me do things like that. Yeah, can people take advantage? And, and if you're a leader who wants to lead in a servant leadership way because you see that as, as the best way and it aligns to your values and who you are, how do we do it in a way that we're not seen as a pushover, but also ensure that people have, I guess, got boundaries really of, of how we lead and people don't take advantage of us? Yeah, I think the balance is between kindness and accountability. And what you're saying, Julian, is how can we be kind and thoughtful and empathetic, but also as leaders hold people accountable for deadlines and projects and meeting expectations of the organization. And, and this is the right question to ask because it's a fine balance and, and fine line that we all have to walk in that we've got to be empathetic and we've got to hold people accountable. But I promise you, they are not mutually exclusive. You can do both, right? So let me give you an example of how you do that. So what you do is you say, hey, no problem, doctor's appointment, took the kids to school, had to go to a sports event, for one of your children early, great. All of that stuff is part of your life and it's important. But the deadline on Thursday at two o'clock is still the deadline on Thursday at two o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the accountability piece. I've given you enough time to do the project. It's your job to hit the timeline. And if you need to leave at, at two in the afternoon to, to go do something, great. Come back and, and finish it later in the evening and, and manage your calendar um, in a really mature way. So accountability, kindness, and empathy can all go together um, in this model. Yeah, it's, it's like when you empower somebody, isn't it? You give them a deadline, you give them the tools and the resources, and you set it in stone, that's what you're going to do, and then you let them get off and do it however they want to do it, uh, in the way they want to do it, and use their talent and their skill uh, and their timing and how they're going to go about it. I guess it's, like, that's just, it's creating that sort of flexibility, isn't it? It, it is, but there, what you're touching on is this idea that um, what happens if the member, if that employee doesn't um, succeed? What if they miss the deadline? Mm. How is that going to hurt my leadership? Um, how is that going to hurt my team? Right. So there is some fear here for a lot of people with servant leadership, and it's really around whoa, well, fear, fear from the employees or fear from the leaders. Fear from the leaders. Yeah. Right. No, the employee loves the servant leadership model. Uh, you know, you're not going to find an employee that says, I don't want flexibility. I don't want somebody to listen to me. I don't want to be empowered, right? That, that doesn't, that's not going to happen. Um, but I think from a leadership standpoint, there are those that say, I have a little bit of fear here. If I give up too much of this control, that perhaps somebody makes a mistake and that reflects poorly on the leader. Or maybe it's a pride issue, right? Mm. Um, I'm giving power away and it threatens my own personal ego, Right. Or maybe there's another one here. You've got that sort of arrogance or self-worth that my self-worth is tied to giving deadlines, being strict, um, telling people when to show up, telling people when they can organization. And, um, you know, those are just dated feelings. And I think that, again, comes back to find your purpose as a leader first, and then you'll be able to change these behaviors uh, over time. So what if you're a, 
a leader who really wants to, you know, operate in a servant leadership way, and that that's who you are, and yet your your boss yourself does not lead in that way. And um, I've been in a situation like this where they lead in a probably more autocratic way, mm-hmm. and therefore they think you should be leading in an autocratic way. However, that just jars with your values, who you are, how you want to get the best out of people. How do we manage and deal with that one? Because that's a real conflict, isn't it? Yeah, Julian, it happens all the time. Uh, this is uh, probably one of the um, most often seen dynamics in an organization. Mm-hmm. You, especially when you have you know three or four generations in the workplace, um, you're going to see that more and more. And so, the best thing you can do is, I always say, you've got to protect your team from the company. So if you're thinking about an organizational chart and you have a boss that is very autocratic um, or has some legacy thinking in the way that they manage, take that on yourself and understand that you can't let that get to your team, right? So one of the things you have to do is protect them. So whether that's protecting them from nasty emails or um, protecting them from uh, too much conversation around you will do on this day, or just protect them a little bit and be thoughtful about the communication that flows through you to them, you've got to be a bit of a filter, yeah. right? To, su- to support them and protect them and give them the resources and safety to be able to execute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the other piece. Well, hold on a second. What about me? Now I'm managing up to somebody who perhaps I don't see eye to eye with. Let me tell you, <laughs> get used to it. It's, it's not always going to be the way you want it. Um, and a good servant leader understands how to separate those two components. I manage down with my team in a servant leadership way. I'm really thoughtful about the way I approach them. But when I manage up, I need to adjust my style a little bit. And it's not um, it's not impossible to do. What you do is you just understand that person is looking for deadlines, timelines, focus, hard work, maybe a little bit of overwork, right? Mm. And you've got to be on it. So uh, I'll give you an example. Those types of personalities are looking for the email to be returned at nine o'clock at night. You may just want to return that email quickly at nine o'clock at night and acknowledge that you'll get to it in the morning. Um, and you have to adjust a little bit to manage up. Yeah, it is difficult. And it's also difficult when I appreciate the managing up and almost adopting their style when you're interacting with them. It's when they perhaps criticize you for empowering people too much or appearing to be giving people slack. They're yeah. the ones where it gets quite difficult and it can become quite a, well, pretty much confrontational position, can't it? It can, um, but there's also a way to diffuse it. Uh, you can ask the question, what am I doing that's not working for you? Where's our team not meeting your expectations? Mm. How could I be doing this differently to meet the organizational objectives? And so ask some questions about performance. Now, be careful here. If your team is massively underperforming, uh, you've got a problem, right? So servant leadership is not an excuse for underperformance. It is a behavioral style to empower people. But you still have to perform at the level that your organization expects. Um, So just don't make that mistake. Oh, I'm I'm being so kind, right, that I'm, again, not holding people accountable. Um, Because you really need to hold people accountable. But, Mm. hey, look, Julian, that's why 52% of people are looking for jobs right now. It's because there are a number of people in organizations and they're all over the place. It doesn't matter what country you're in. Mm. Um, This leadership style, this kind of dated one, has been around for decades. 
And so you're going to see it. And that's why people are leaving because they are focused on, they're focused on psychological safety and protecting their teams. And they're, mm -hmm. they're hearing it in their ear, that that's not the right way to do it. And so um, you're going to have some turnover. And I would tell anybody, look, fight and fight and fight for your team. But at some point, you've got to be in the right place for you as well. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't um, I don't advocate for people to leave their organizations because the grass is not always greener on the other side. Yeah. Um, but I do advocate for people. And so if you're a leader, you're still a person. You've got a family. You've got parents. You've got loved ones that you care about. You still have to be in a really good place. So mm. fight for your team. Do the best you can to explain um, to the to the leader that isn't quite hearing you, you know, what your objectives are and, uh, and then be ready to make changes that, that fit you as well. So the, almost the, the solution to the, the great resignation is, is this is leadership, isn't it? It's, it's good leadership. It's servant leadership. It's empowering leadership. Um, how do we sort of shift that into making our organizations have a culture that starts to, I guess, facilitate that and start to grow your own, sort of servant leadership and i know things all start from the top but what if, what's been your experience what's been your um observations where organizations have perhaps been a little bit autocratic and now shifted to more of a servant leadership what's been the the intervention and, and the support that, that's gotten that way well we could take culture a million different directions and everybody that's listening has a different version of what culture means to them so let's start by defining sort of my, my definition of culture. It's very simple. Um, culture for me is those with a fixed mindset versus those with a growth mindset. So let me tell you what I mean by that. A growth mindset is when people believe that their abilities can be developed, that they I can do it. Um, I want to do it. I'm excited to do it. Effort is, is given, right? And that's a key to success. And that creates the culture of innovation, of higher ROI, of people actually liking each other in the workplace, uh, right? And, and that's really important, this growth mindset for, for me. And then there's this other school, um, which is the fixed mindset. And the fixed mindset is very simply, I'm waiting for somebody to tell me what to do. Or you might've heard this one if you're in a big corporation, hey, that's not the way we do it. We've always done it this way, mm. right? And I've heard that, and I'm sure you have to, countless times in big organizations. That's not the way we do it around here. And it's somebody that's taking legacy fixed mindset thinking and sort of pushing it on you to say, please don't change anything. I'm very comfortable here doing, you know, taking my widget, moving it along the assembly line. And so culture, if you start to unpack it, comes down to how many people do we have with a growth mindset that are good communicators, that can build trust with each other, and those are some of the key components um, to really building a modern culture, starting with growth mindset. So that's taking people who you believe to be in the growth mindset and I guess working with those individuals. Or do we start to look at those ones with a fixed mindset and can we flip them as a way of flipping them to more of a growth? Or do you think that that's it, they're fixed and they're just very difficult to get at they've always they're always stuck in the ways they don't take risks they don't get out of the comfort zone all those sort of things because they're fixed yeah so the fixed mindset person is is living in fear right so you have to understand that they're fearful and and it mm. could be a variety of things fear could come from 
oh my goodness, I, I feel like I, I shouldn't have this job title. I shouldn't be making this much money. Uh, please don't tell anybody. You know, I, I feel like I'm very fortunate. And I don't want anybody to figure me out. Right. Mm. And that could be the fixed mindset. It could be as simple as um, I don't want my boss to hear anything about my team. So I have a very fixed mindset about reporting lines and this old school way of thinking. And so mm. I'm going to control the narrative um, and, and that's going to give me my fixed mindset. And so there's lots of different reasons people live in fear. But at, at its baseline, you have to understand that the pe person you're talking to with a fixed mindset has some level of fear that you're going to need to help them solve if you want to get over it, right? And have mm -hmm. them change. And so we have to make them feel safe. We have to provide a place where they can feel like mm -hmm. you can talk to me, you can trust me. Um, it's not going to go any further than our conversation. That's really important. Uh, and then you can start to turn the wheels of, oh my goodness, have you have you thought about what's important to you? Have you thought about you know what your purpose is? Have you thought about what drives you? And then people can start to turn the corner into this open-mindedness of, of new ideas and new ways of feeling. But fear, it can be devastating uh, for people and organizations mm. if, if they're struggling with it. Yeah, so so taking that fear, I, I, we're starting to look at this whole piece of like a psychological safety, aren't we? Where feel, people feel they can't take a risk, they can't make a mistake, they can't challenge, they can't do anything they feel that will jeopardize their position or their job or, or whatever is in their head. Um, what's your experience of creating um, teams, organizations that are psychologically safe? What are the sort of key things you would do to an organization to help them with that? Yeah, there's, there's really six areas of uh, psychological safety that people can focus on. Um, when they're trying to think about a framework of how to implement this uh, within an organization or, or very simply your team, or quite frankly, at your kitchen table. Um, if you have young ones at home, this is really important as well. So start with security. People need predictability. They want a desire to keep things familiar. So consistency um, and security, that piece is, is really important. So you need to make sure people feel safe and secure. Uh, that's the first step. What it leads to then is you, you don't want too much control, right? So you need to give autonomy over somebody's work environment. You need to give your kids autonomy, mm. right? Give people a sense of having choice, right? It's not my way or the highway. It's you have three choices. Maybe two of them are good and one of them is not so good, uh, but you have choices mm. uh, and you can work through it uh, to find some of those um you know, some of those auto autonomous moments. Mm. Um, the, the other one uh, that comes up a lot, fairness. So we all want to be treated fairly. We all want to be treated with equity um, and uh, a desire to be seen and heard by others. So if you're mm. not listening and you're not being fair and you're not uh, letting people be seen and heard, you're going to have an issue, again, at your kitchen table uh, or in your office. Mm. Um there's three that I'll hit really quickly. Esteem, you need to make sure people have self-confidence. How, how do they see themselves? How do they compare mm -hmm. to others? Really, really important uh, in terms of, of building the structure around psychological safety. And then a couple of easy ones, trust. Uh, you know, our brains can empathize with those uh, that we trust. Um, and mm -hmm. our brains, we treat strangers as a threat and then we have fear. 
So building trust and being more communal and understanding social need of human behavior, I think is really important. Um, last, last one, certainly last but not least, uh, you. You have your own personality. You have your own bias. You have mm-hmm. lived um, in lots of different experiences that I've never lived. And so try to understand yourself and understand that, you know, the fact that you were raised this way gives you a bias of X or Y mm-hmm. and try to be really thoughtful about how that impacts, uh, you know, the kitchen table and the boardroom. Yeah, You said a lot there in the psychological safety because there's probably a a whole episode or two we could talk about psychological safety and um i know i heard a great definition of it once was um where is it it's vulner- where vulnerability is rewarded mm-hmm. and which i quite like is that sense of because for me psychological safety is that sense of you're happy to take a risk and you know there's not going to be you're going to be chastised or reprimanded for it uh, and that's where innovation comes people push the boundaries people start to step out of the comfort zone people all put the hand up, question leadership or challenge as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really important. But, it's that, but, but at that moment you do that, there's a vulnerability piece and it's making sure that that is, is rewarded uh, along the way, not um, punished, uh, which is, is obviously clearly not a way to um, create a, a safe environment. Yeah, we have a way of saying it. It's okay to make mistakes. Uh, that's, that's a great way to do it also vulnerability and it's okay to make mistakes, but you've got to make sure everybody's on board culturally with it's okay to make mistakes. Uh, And we want to make small mistakes and learn from them and pivot and grow, not make big giant mistakes that impact a company's brand or impact Mm. PL in a major way, or, you know, that comes back to accountability, make small mistakes, take small risks that turn into trials or pilots, right? Where you can fail fast Mm. and move on. Uh, without impacting the overall PL or you know getting somebody fired because you made some huge error. Mm. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation about servant leadership. And I think you're right. It's probably the way that we need to lead uh, to empower people, to really uh, value people and to really get people um, excited about uh, what they're doing. And, and, and I suppose making sure that when we employ talent is we use that talent as opposed to just telling people what to do and, and they're, they're machines and robots, they're not they're people and they've got a lot to contribute. So thank you for your uh, conversation today, Tom. Really appreciate that. If people uh, want to connect with you and engage with you, what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, there's a couple ways to do it. Uh, Tom Finn, leg up uh, in uh, LinkedIn will find me pretty, pretty easily. Um, you can go to legup.com uh, if you're in HR or a leader that's looking for support for their people. And uh, last but not least, I uh, operate a podcast for people leaders called Talent Empowerments, the Talent Empowerment Podcast. You can check it out at talentempowerment.com or you can check it out wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. Brilliant. Thank you for your time today, Tom. Much appreciated. Hey, great to be with you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.